Amen. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. And, you know, Jesus compared the Word of God to a seed. In Matthew 13, what we're about to look at, Jesus gave eight parables. And Matthew 13 is sort of the hinge upon which the rest of the New Testament swings. That is, after giving these eight parables, Jesus starts heading to Jerusalem and heading to the cross. So Matthew 13 is pivotal. He gives eight parables, four from a boat and four from a house. But all at once, it's amazing what flowed out of our Savior. Amen? Ad lib, on the spot, no notes. And he tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a seed that is planted in your heart and mine. And the seed is planted, the word of God is planted in hopes that we bear fruit. Jesus said, you didn't pick me, I picked you. Amen? None of us would have ever come to him if he hadn't tapped us first. And so he said, here's why I picked you, that you would go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit would remain. So the word of God sown into our hearts like a seed, is intended to bring forth fruit. Now, I want to start with the first parable, and I'm dealing with only this today. The first parable in uh, among the eight. And it's called the parable of the sower, but I'm going to call it the man that made it. Because out of four people that receive the seed, only one is successful. Like, yikes. Now, he told us about the other three, so we would not be like them but we would be like the last one that fell on good, good ground. How many of you want to be good soil and bring forth fruit? All right, so let's read Matthew 13, starting at verse three. He begins his parables. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path and the birds came and they ate it up. Then some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was what? Verse 6, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they didn't have any root. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants And now verse eight, we come to the fourth person that hears the word. Still other seed fell on good soil. This wants, we want this to be you and me. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, 60 or 30 times what was sown. Different people produce different levels of fruit, but at least this fourth one was fruitful. Amen. And so today, I'm going to share this message in hopes that every last one of us will be in the fourth group, and we will bring forth fruit, and our fruit will remain. Amen? Amen. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you today for your blessing. Lord, I can't do this without you. Lord, how I need your anointing right now, and how we need the anointing of God to be upon us as listeners so that we can understand this and bring forth fruit. Now, Lord, I pray, give us ears to hear this, eyes to see the truth, and hearts to understand it, 
And thank you for helping us to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Now breathe a prayer with me, church, and say, Lord, today I receive this word as the word of God. Bless my soul with spiritual growth in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, how does your garden grow? <laughs> you know, those things come to me standing here. That was not pre-planned. I, I do a lot of services, and, and that's kind of the way it rolls. But now, our Savior taught in parables. Now, the reason he taught in parables was because he, he made, through parables, he made complex truth easy to understand. So the definition of a parable, I, I love this definition. A parable is an earthly story uh, with a heavenly meaning. A parable is an earthly story drawn from everyday life with a heavenly meaning. Jesus taught in parables so that we could easily grasp it and understand it. And, and how much easier can you get than a farmer who goes out with a, a sack of seed and he's just sowing it as he goes? We all understand that, right? So Jesus takes this first parable of eight to tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. And when you read the eight parables, you start coming to a conclusion. They, they, they prod us to ask this question. What am I going to do with Jesus? Where am I going to fit in the kingdom of God he keeps talking about? Because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God over and over. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not what you eat, it's not what you drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Jesus came. He said the kingdom of God is in your midst. He meant I'm here. So the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, with these eight parables, he says repeatedly, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And he would give a parable so that we understand the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now, with the parable of the sower, uh, did you know that the Bible says that if you understand this one, Jesus said this, if you understand this first parable, you can understand them all. If you can't understand this one, you can't understand the rest. So this first parable is pivotal to all the rest. So we're going to understand it today. Now, in the first parable, the parable of the sower, we have four people who hear exactly the same message. Four people hear the same thing. And what they hear primarily is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they hear. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the seed of, that is sown in the hearts of men and women. That's the gospel. When you heard the gospel, it was a seed sown into your heart. And you had a response, either receive it or reject it. And I'm assuming most everybody in here accepted it. And the seed went down into the soil of your heart and it bore fruit. Amen. And so the soil the seed is sown into is the heart. It's the heart of men and women. When we hear the gospel, we don't just hear it in our head, but it reaches down and it goes into our heart and it's sown into our heart because Jesus is about to give us four different kinds of soil or four different types of hearts and what they do with the word of God. 
Now, the sower in the parable is Jesus Christ. And, of course, once he ascended and went back to heaven, uh, he turned sowing over to us, and now we sow the gospel. Right now, I'm sowing the word of God into your heart, and it's going to have an effect. It's either going to be accepted or rejected, responded to or not, obeyed or not. But it's a seed, supernatural seed. Peter said, we've been born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Now, he shared this from a boat. And when the disciples got him alone, they said, man, explain this to us. We don't get it. And so in a house, privately, Jesus said, all right, I'll explain the parable to you. So let's begin with the first man. Jesus said, here's the meaning. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means, said Jesus. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, now watch that word because that's, that's this first listener's problem. He doesn't understand the claims of the gospel. He's hung up not understanding it. We're going to find when we get to the fourth man, the very first thing that's said about the guy with the good soil is he understood what he heard. You find in the Bible that understanding the word and a hard heart go together. If you don't understand it, your heart is hard. If you understand it, your heart gets softened. So he says, this man doesn't understand it. And the evil one comes, look at the devil He sees he doesn't understand it, and the evil one comes and steals away, snatches away what was sown in their heart. And this is the seed sown along the path. Now, all we need to understand about this first guy, and I'm calling him Mr. Clueless, because Mr. Clueless does not understand what he just heard. We don't know. Jesus doesn't tell us what he doesn't understand, but we can guess. Maybe he didn't understand that Jesus was the only way. Maybe he didn't understand that he needed to repent. Maybe he didn't understand that he had sin that needed to be washed away. Whatever it is, he didn't understand it. And because he didn't understand it, the devil was able to come and snatch it out of his heart before he was even able to dwell on it for another day. Now, the Greek language suggests here that the reason he didn't understand it is because he was careless with what he heard. In other words, he took it flippantly. He he took it carelessly. He he just said, you know what? Uh, I got other things to think about. He didn't take it seriously. He didn't take it to heart. He didn't turn it over in his mind. He didn't consider the claims of Christ. He didn't consider what Jesus had said about himself. It just went in one ear and one out and out the other. He didn't understand it. And because he took it carelessly and flippantly, then the Bible says the devil reached in and snatched it, and this man was never saved. He never got saved because the word was stolen from his heart. You know, sometimes we have one chance to get saved. Sometimes we hear the gospel one time. A lot of people hear it a lot of times, but sometimes we only hear it one time. And the devil is always watching to see if he's going to be able to steal what we have heard away from our thinking. And some people hear the word of God in church, and by the time they get home, they have forgotten what they heard. So Mr. Clueless did not get saved because he didn't understand it. He didn't think about it, and therefore it was stolen from him. But now we come to the second man. And Jesus said the second man is like this, the seed falling on rocky ground. 
refers to somebody who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Now this one, he hears it and he receives it with joy. He didn't just, well, one ear and out the other. He says, wow, I like what I'm hearing. Whereas the first man was clueless, Jesus said, though he receives it with joy, since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble, watch this, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, what happens to them? They quickly fall away. And what was their problem? They had no roots. So first we had Mr. Clueless. Here we have Mr. Rootless. Now let me tell you how important roots are. Oh, roots are so important. You remember that series, Roots? Remember that? I remember it so well. But, but there's another kind of root, spiritual roots. And, and every seed puts down roots. If you leave a seed in the ground, it's going to grow down first and then it goes up. As goes the root, so goes the fruit. As the roots go down, the, tr- the tree or whatever it is grows up. But this man was all about emotion. Because look, he received it with joy. He is excited. I mean, he's saying, oh, hallelujah. I've got a promise of heaven. I've got a savior that died for me. I've got an opportunity for a brand new life. This is great. I like Jesus. He's, he's, he's a cool guy to follow. And he's excited. But then trouble comes. Somebody makes fun of him. Somebody mocks him, ridicules him, makes a joke about him. Or he pays some kind of a price socially for his faith. And before you know it, he says, you know what? I didn't, I didn't bargain for this. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get in for this. Uh, I, I liked everything Jesus did for me, but, but hey, I'm not willing to experience any pain. I'm not going to pick up any cross and follow him. I'm not going to do any of that. I like Jesus as long as he's feeding me and taking care of me. But, 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 but when it comes to experiencing some persecution, no way. And it says he immediately, quickly fell away. So it was all an emotional trip. Now, I'm all for emotion. I get very emotional about God. I'm so emotional. I love Jesus. How about you? I don't love him perfectly, but I love him sincerely. And, and so that's an emotion. But, but see, I, I, I love emotion. I love jumping high for Jesus, but my calling is to help you walk steady once you hit the ground. See, because we need roots. We need to get into the word of God and find out who Jesus really was and is, who we are in Christ, what he's done for us. We need to put down deep roots. I want deeper roots than I do fruit up this way. I want to grow deeper down than I do up because deeper the roots, the stronger you are. But this man, this man never put down roots because there were rocks in the soil. In other words, there were obstacles in his heart. Things were in his heart that got in the way of the seed of the word of God putting down fruit or putting down roots. The rocks might have been unconfessed sin. Maybe he didn't confess sin that he knew he needed to get rid of. And it's a rock in his heart and it's blocking the growth of the word of God and putting down the roots. It could be that he had some worldly attachments. Jesus said the soil of his heart was rocky. Something was in the way. Things were stopping the roots from going down. And I know what that's like. You, you can get an attachment you shouldn't have. You, should have, you can have something unconfessed, unconfessed that, that you know you need to get rid of. And until you do, the, the, you really can't grow spiritually. And so Jesus is pointing out here about Mr. Rootless. He's saying his problem was rocky soil. He doesn't tell us what it was. It could have been some idol in his life. Something, the bottom line is this. Jesus was not on the throne of this man's 
heart. So the seed of the word of God could not put down roots. You know, a tree can be stately and beautiful and majestic and look incredible. But when a storm comes, all that really matters with that tree is not the way that it looks, but how deep are its roots. Because when that wind begins to blow and the floods hit against that tree and the rain begins to fall and trouble comes and you lose that job or you get a bad doctor's report or somebody walks out on you and the winds of trial blow, then it's how deep are your roots? Jesus said, because he has no roots, when the storms come, they blow him over. He's uprooted and he quickly falls away. So you've got Mr. Clueless, you got Mr. Rootless, but now we come to the third man. Jesus said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to somebody who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Choke the word. This man receives it. This man starts to grow, but there's something growing up right alongside his spiritual growth, and it is a thorn bush. And I just picture the way Jesus described this because the word choke is the word we would talk about choking somebody. So here's this thorn bush, these thorns, and as this man is trying to grow, they are literally grabbing his spiritual growth by the throat and choking the life out of his spiritual walk so that he's not bringing forth any fruit. Clueless, rootless, fruitless. Jesus is giving us these three different people so that we will look at them and learn from them and not do what they did. This man hears the word of the gospel, whereas the first one didn't understand it, and the second one had no roots. This one is constantly distracted by worries and chasing after money. Now, I saw something this week. As a matter of fact, Matthew 13 is the first message I ever preached in my life. First time I went to preach, it was on Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, way back. But I saw something this week I've never seen. What this man's problem really was. His problem was he was still clinging to a worldly value system. Because it says he's constantly worried about this, that, and the other. So that tells me he's not in prayer. And and he's got his his life uh, uh, all messed up in things that are causing him to lose sleep. He's making decisions. They are monetary in nature primarily because we're told that he's chasing after riches. He's all about money. He's chasing after worldly things. He wants that new car, new house, new raise, new job, new location. He wants the status. The values of the kingdom are not his. He's received the king of the kingdom, but not the values of the king of the kingdom. Can I tell you today, church, how crucial it is? Oh, hear me on this one. That when we get saved, we ought to undergo immediately the renewing of our mind. And when the renewing of the mind happens, that means you are giving up worldly values for kingdom values. Worldly values for kingdom values. This, this man has the king of the kingdom, but not the values of the kingdom. And I've seen people like this a lot. We get saved. We get our fire insurance. We know we're going to heaven when Jesus comes, but we never allow the word of God to, to, to renovate 
and renew and change and transform our values. Values of the kingdom like this, putting Jesus first. Putting Jesus first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus demands being first. If you love father, mother, whatever, more than me, you're not worthy of me. I want to be first on the throne of your life. I want to be first on the throne of your heart. Christianity doesn't work if Jesus is not on the throne. It's true. See, a car only works if you put the key in and turn it. Christianity only works if you put Jesus on the throne of your life. Otherwise, Christianity is a burden and a hassle and a bummer because you're trying to carry the demands of the kingdom all by yourself. But when Jesus is on the throne of your life and you're picking up your cross and following him and seeking him and he's numero uno and you are in love with him and nobody and no thing is above him in your life, then you are postured for a blessing. But this wasn't his value. His value was chasing stuff, not being materialistic. That's a value of the kingdom. The importance of spiritual growth, that's a kingdom value. God's will for all of us primarily is that we grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And that's a kingdom value. For this guy, it's all about what you own, your status in life, the way others perceive you, who you are, what block you live on, what you're driving. While Jesus' value system says, put the kingdom of God first, this man's value system said, put yourself first. You know, number one, that's the culture we live in. Who's number one in your life? Me, myself, I, I am. I look in the mirror and I sing, there is none like you. I'm number one. I take care of number one first. I put number one first above all others. But Jesus said, no, put me first, put the kingdom first. That's the kingdom value. Jesus said, life is not defined by what you have. Luke 12, 15, life is not defined by what you have. But this man's value system said, I am measured by what I own. I am what I own. I am what I possess. I, the measure of my life is what I possess. And that's a worldly value system because you are not what you possess. You are what you are in the kingdom of God. And you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a called out people. You are not what you own. You are who you are in the kingdom of God. You are what you are by the grace of God. I know people have been in Christ 20 years, 30 years, and it's still all about what I own, what I'm chasing, what I have, what I live in, what I drive. But you know what? Success is not dying with a big bank account. Success, even if you die in a little shack on the other side of the world, if you were doing the will of God for your life, you were a success. Mr. Fruitless is the person who says, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Oh yeah, you got it, I'm saved. I'm an American and I love mom and apple pie too. 
I'll just have to take care of the spiritual side of life later. That's Mr. Fruitless. So clueless, rootless, fruitless, three failures right in a row. But then comes the one who made it. I'm calling this message the man that made it because we want to learn from the man that made it. Amen? We want to learn from the one that made it. How many of you want to make it? I want to bear fruit because he's the only one of the four that succeeded in the Christian walk. And so what can we learn from him? Jesus said, but the seed falling on good soil refers to somebody who hears the word and hears that word. He understands it. First one didn't understand it. This one understood it. And Matthew points that out first. This is the one that produces a crop, 160, 30 times what was sown. Now, if you skip over to Luke's account of this parable, he adds a couple of things that Matthew doesn't. He said that this man that made it bears fruit with patience and an honest and good heart. So this man had three things that made him successful. He understood what he heard. He had a good heart, and I'm going to talk about that, how he got it. And he had perseverance. He understood, he had a good heart, and he persevered. Now, let me just unpack those real quickly. One, unlike the first man, Mr. Clueless, Mr. Success here, understood what he heard. He understood the claims of the gospel. Like this, I am the resurrection. He listened to what Jesus said, and he gave it deep thought. He listened to the claims of Christ, and he didn't didn't say, well, that's great, and in one ear and out the other. That's what Mr. Clueless did. But Mr. Success, Mr. Fruitful here, listened, and he said, this deserves thought. He heard things like this. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Anybody who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Well, that's worth some thought. So he began to turn the words over in his mind. Other words, Jesus, God so loved the world. Jesus is the one that spoke John three sixteen, And Jesus talking about himself. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, me, that whoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He didn't just hear that and say, well, that's neat, that's poetic, that's cool, you know. But no, he thought about it, he turned it over in his head, he gave it some, some consideration, he pondered it, he meditated on it, and as he continued to think about what Jesus said, he, he came to some conclusions. Oh, wow, I'm in sin. I need to repent. And if I don't repent, my sin is not going to be forgiven. And Jesus is the Savior that came to die for the sins of the world. So I'm going to respond to what I've heard. So this final man, the man that made it, hears the claims, and he says, this requires a response. And so he responds, Jesus, forgive me. I repent of my sin. Come into my heart as Savior and Lord. And that leads to the second thing he had. When he did that, he was born again. And when he was born again, He got a new heart. The Bible says the seed on good soil stands for those who with a noble and good heart produce a crop. Now, I'm going to tell you for sure, Jesus would never say that somebody had a noble and a good heart unless that heart had been transformed by the power of God. Because Jesus knew the heart. The Bible says he knew the heart of all men. 
He knew the heart. He said, out of the heart comes all manner of evil. We all have heart disease spiritually, and we all need a heart transplant spiritually. And Jesus understood the wickedness of the human heart apart from the grace of God. So there's no way in this parable he would have said this person had a noble and a good heart unless this person had experienced a heart transformation after hearing and understanding the gospel and coming to Christ and calling on him and being saved and being changed and born again. So he had a supernatural heart change. You know, nobody can change your heart or mine but God. Only God can change the heart. Only God can give us a brand new nature. But I got good news for you. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old has passed away and all, everybody say all, is become new. And that includes your heart and mine. We had an old, wicked, sinning heart before. But when we said, Jesus, come into my heart, then the Bible says he came into my heart and gave me a brand new nature. And that's how you get that noble and good heart that produces fruit. Amen. God's promise for those who receive Jesus is, I will give you a new spirit. I will take from you your hearts of stone and give you tender hearts of love for God. Isn't that beautiful? So this man heard the gospel. He understood the claims. He repented based on having thought it through. He turned to Christ. He was born again. He got a brand new heart. And that finally leads to the last thing that made this man fruitful. He persevered. He persevered. It says in Luke, he bears fruit with patient perseverance. He kept on keeping on no matter what life threw at him. When people turned on him, he took them to God and said, Lord, I forgive them as you forgive them. And he kept on going. When he lost his job, he trusted the Lord with all of his heart and didn't lean to his own understanding. And he kept on going. When he ran into temptation, he said, Lord, you are greater than this temptation. I'm not going to give in to it. I walk with you. I submit to you. And he kept on going. When he ran into setbacks and pushbacks and all kinds of trouble in life, he said, that doesn't matter to me because I've made up my mind when I put my hand to the plow, I will not let go and look back. I don't put up a white flag. I don't quit. I have not joined myself to a quitter, and so I don't quit. I follow the Savior who never quit. And so I'm going to keep on keeping on until I go to glory. I'm going to persevere. Amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise, everyone. This man persevered. He had a dogged determination to keep on going no matter what life threw at him. When he had little offenses come his way, he just forgave and kept on going. He wasn't wearing a chip on his shoulder. He wasn't walking around carrying grudges. He said, anything that gets in my way, he's on the throne of my heart, and I'm just going to say no to it and yes to him, and I'm going to keep on going. And because of his perseverance, he bore fruit. He bore fruit. Stand with me, would you? Say with me, clueless, rootless, fruitless. Don't want to be any of them. Amen? Amen. 
but I want to be the good soil. Now, let me ask you, and believe me, all, all three, well, not all three of them, but I know what it is to have things get into your heart like rocks that hinder spiritual growth and how necessary it is you allow the bulldozer of the Holy Spirit to push them out. Sometimes you got to break up the fallow ground and allow the seed into your heart again. Some of you, you've got a boulder in your heart. It makes it rocky soil. You're carrying a burdensome grudge, unforgiveness, something that's weighing you down. And you need to let go of it because God wants to put down roots. The seed needs to put down roots. And if you're clueless today, that is, you're not sure you know Jesus. You've heard about him, but it went, and you're like Mr. Clueless. You didn't think about it. I want to encourage you at home, watching right now, think about it. Consider what he said. If you're here today, consider it. If you're listening by radio later in your car, listen, consider it. If you're at home, consider it. Stop and think about it. He doesn't allow us to consider him just another religious uh, leader in history. He said, before Abraham was, I was. I'm an eternal personality wrapped in skin. I'm God the Son. Buddha didn't say that. Muhammad didn't say that. He doesn't allow us to consider him just a great guy in history who said neat things. So wherever you are in life, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. I know you want to pray. I can feel it because the word has plowed your heart. And let's just go to him right now and just say, Jesus, I don't want to be clueless, rootless, or fruitless. Lord, forgive me for sin in my heart, for any rock hindering roots going down. Forgive me for worldly values. Help me to adopt kingdom values to order my life by. Kingdom values. Jesus, make me good soil. Can we lift our hands to him today in the house of God? Say, Jesus, make me good soil. I want to bring forth fruit. I don't want to fail, Lord. I don't want the seed to fail that you've sown into my heart. I want, Lord, to be good soil. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. I want the fruit of the kingdom. I receive your grace, Lord, to walk in this truth in Jesus' name. And with your heads bowed, maybe you're here today and you say, Jeff, I am in that clueless category. I'm not sure I'm saved. I've heard it before, but I didn't ever think about it. And I need Jesus. Pray this with me. Do it right now, right where you stand. I wouldn't get in a car and get on the highway without praying this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for me, rose from the dead to save me. Forgive me my sin and come into my heart. I know I need you 
as my Savior. I receive you in Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed, and you can say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Just raise it. Put it up high quickly. Many people. Many people. Many people. Your hand is raised. I want you to slip out and come down real quickly. Look at me. Slip out and come. I'm looking right at you. Come, in, come down. Come down. Because God's going to meet us in this altar. I want you to come down. Jesus walked up Golgotha's hill for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Is there anybody else who needs to come? Come on. I'm so thankful for all of you. And Amen. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Because we don't want to hear it and be like Mr. Clueless and walk away and let the devil steal it. Amen? So you have just prevented the devil from stealing it. Amen. Isn't that good? It's wonderful. So, Lord, I thank you for these precious people. Bless them as they begin their new walk with Christ. Thank you for calling them to yourself. In Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all look at me a minute. This guy right here is Robert, and Robert's going to take you over to the side of the stage here and just help you to fill something out, and I'm going to come over to you in just a minute. So go over there and and wait for me to come. Robert's going to show you. Go go right ahead. Just go right ahead over there with him. Ushers, Jesse, can you help them? There we go, right over there. There we go. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to do something quickly before we go. I want everybody going to, to the um, New Orleans Mardi Gras to come down. And we're, going to, we're just going to stretch our hands out towards them because these are our Bible students, our seminary students. And they're going to the streets of Mardi Gras. And we want them to be protected and anointed and blessed and fruitful. Amen? Amen. Everybody say fruitful. So I want you to lift your hands up toward them as their church family. And let's pray right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we commission these precious people. Let me through where I can come. There we go. We commission these precious people, Lord, these servants of God who are going to minister on the streets of New Orleans where the devil is active and even sometimes ferocious. And we pray a great anointing of courage and boldness and power on them and that you would protect them and they're going out and they're coming in as they go to the storehouse, as they go to the field of harvest and give us many, many souls because of their witness. Now say with me, church, we send you in Jesus' name. Be blessed and fruitful. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Thank you, guys. We love you. We love you. Amen. How many of you are glad to send them and not you? No, I'm so glad they're going. God bless them. We love you in Jesus' name. Cindy is going to say something quickly about women's ministry. Yes, real quickly, just a reminder, those of you that haven't heard, we have a women's conference August 28th and 29th, so mark it on your calendar. We've got great speakers, Sheila Walsh and Brenda Crouch. All right, Sheila Walsh, Brenda Crouch. 
It's going to be a great ladies' conference. Cheryl, come down here, Cheryl. Real quickly, Cheryl, come, Cheryl. Run, don't walk, Cheryl. She needs a mic. Can I have a mic there? There we go. Cheryl has a great Bible study at high noon, and I want her to quickly tell you what she's teaching on for ladies. Okay, well, this was unplanned, but um, the Word of God is powerful. Amen? And we have a group of ladies that meet on Sunday mornings, and we just gather together. Actually, Sunday afternoons, actually. (laughs) Actually, it is, right. Yes. And so we gather together to study God's Word. Uh, God's Word brings encouragement to us. It equips us mm-hmm. for our daily living, and it empowers us, supernaturally empowers us. So I'm excited about our study time. I'd like to invite all of the ladies, if you can, to come at noon on Sundays. And you're on Ephesians right now. John, that's right, John. John's gospel. And uh, it's powerful because I saw what you're, you're drawing from some great sources. Good. All right. Thank, and you're upstairs, Cheryl, right? In the 211, 209. She should have said it all. I I love the church. I just don't know everything that's going on. There's so many things, but that's great. And don't forget tonight we're praying. If you say you want to see a move of God, then you ought to be up here praying. We're going to pray from 530 to 630. It's powerful intercessory prayer, and uh, we'll be leading it. And I want to encourage all of you to come, and let's pray heaven down and, and, and pray the devil out. Amen? All right. Let's count to three. And I want us to shout together, good soil, because I'm believing you are all good soil. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. God bless you. Bring forth much fruit.